You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Friday to you. Have you ever heard the quote, there are no mistakes or failures, only lessons? Well, the answer now, of course, is yes, because I just said the quote, so you have heard it. But anyways, that's what we're going to talk about today. Lessons. Lessons that have been learned by Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean by things that have happened earlier in their tenure with the Buffalo Bills. And this is a concept that I've had written down for a while. And if you were on my computer, you would see that I have a spreadsheet with, you know, all the days that we're producing a show and a bunch of different ideas. And, you know, I schedule things out pretty far in advance. And I've had this written down and I keep on moving it. You know, I look at the week ahead and I say, no, I don't want to do it. I'm not ready to have the conversation. So I keep pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing it off because honestly, I didn't know the right angle to take with it. I didn't want to just have a podcast where I said, oh, you think Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are so great? Look at all these mistakes they've made. That's not what I wanted to do. But in the process of me procrastinating this concept and pushing it off, I got the perfect email that articulates a lot of what I wanted to say. And I think it's the perfect introduction for this conversation. And so segment one today is going to be me reading you this email. It's a little bit long, but I encourage you to stick with me because Mike, the author of the email, puts this perfectly. Then in segment two and segment three, we're going to expand on things and bring up some additional information as we talk about the lessons that have been learned by Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, particularly early in their tenure that have helped shape this team to what it is today. So thanks to Mike for helping me get this conversation started and to find the appropriate angle to take so that we can get to the right conclusions. So let's hear from Mike. Mike says, as I mentioned in an earlier submission, I listen to your podcast when I do the dishes after putting my kids to bed. After listening to your podcast tonight, I began to think about life, success, failure, and of course, the Buffalo Bills. I believe people learn more from their failures than their successes. Looking back to 2018 and how Bean built around Josh Allen, he learned a lot. I'm not saying 2018 was a failure, but looking back, Bean made significant mistakes. After the 2021 draft, most teams that drafted quarterbacks either added weapons, protection, or both for their new quarterbacks. Many analysts praised these moves and said it was similar to how the Bills did around Josh Allen. I agree the Bills did build around Josh Allen in 2019 and after, but in 2018, Bean didn't have the best plan on building around the Bills' most important player of the future. Heading into 2018, the Bills were coming off a playoff appearance in 2017, but the Bills had a bottom half offense. 
Their offensive strength was their line and a strong run game that featured LaShawn McCoy, who was 29 years old at the time. Although that 2017 offensive line was our strength, three of their very productive starters left in Cordy Glenn, Eric Wood, and Richie Incognito. Our top three receivers in 2017 were Charles Clay, LaShawn McCoy, and Deontay Thompson, all less than 600 yards each. After the Bills drafted Josh Allen, they traded away their 65th pick to get Tremaine Edmonds. Edmonds is a great player, but those were two chances to build around Allen. After the Edmonds pick, the Bills drafted three straight defensive players. It wasn't until pick 166, the Bills' sixth pick, that Bean added to the offense with Wyatt Teller. Later in the sixth and seventh round, the Bills drafted wide receivers Ray Ray McLeod and Austin Prohl. Let's look at free agency. Bean inherited a terrible cap situation, but these were reasons to prioritize draft picks to build around a rookie quarterback. Bean's most prominent signings in free agency were Star Latoule, five years, $50 million, Trent Murphy, three years, $22.5 million, and Vontae Davis, one year, $5 million. Bean prioritized defense because on the offensive side, his biggest signings were Chris Ivory, two years, $5.5 million, Russell Bodine, two years, $5 million, and A.J. McCarron, two years, $10 million. Each offensive player only lasted a season or less. Heading into Bills training camp in 2018, the Bills quarterback room had Nathan Peterman and A.J. McCarron. We all know what happened with Peterman in 2017, and McCarron only started four professional games before signing with the Bills. Allen did not have a strong mentor such as Sam Darnold with Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater, Baker Mayfield with Tyrod Taylor, Josh Rosen with Sam Bradford, or Lamar Jackson with Joe Flacco and Robert Griffin III. These other 2018 rookie QBs had strong veterans that they could rely on and help with the learning curve. Allen was seen as a raw prospect. Many analysts said he needed a redshirt year, but what did the Bills do? They put him in a three-way race for the starting job. After Peterman won the job, the Bills traded McCarron and Allen became their only backup. That would have been fine, but after the first half of the Bills' season opener, the Bills put in Allen. From there, he started the next five games until he was injured against the Texans. The Bills had an offensive line that had protection problems and receivers that couldn't separate. Halfway through the 2018 season, the Bills released Peterman and Bean set out to get a veteran quarterback. As I look back, I remember thinking, how will the Bills be able to find a serviceable quarterback midway through an NFL season? The Bills found Derek Anderson and Matt Barkley. I am happy both worked out, but I don't see it as part of Bean's original vision, but more out of necessity. During the midpoint of the season, the Bills were on pace to have one of the worst offensive production in NFL history. Then Allen came back to play. So this brings me to my takes. Number one. Josh Allen is a grinder. In the second half of the 2018 season, Josh put the team on his back and didn't make excuses for the tough position. Josh may have picked up on a couple of bad habits, but it was based on the necessity to survive. There are two types of people out there, people who make excuses and people who put their head down and grind. Number two, in 2018, Bean was the poster boy of what not to do to a rookie quarterback. He could have ruined a lesser quarterback. As I stated earlier, I think you learn more from your failures than successes. To Bean's credit, he learned from it and took it to heart. 
Bean prioritized building around Allen by adding strong veteran wide receivers, a center, a whole offensive line, and developing running backs and tight end. Bean turned his questionable 2018 decisions into being one of the best general managers in the game. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So, big shout out to Mike for putting his thoughts together and organizing them very well. And, you know, I just wanted to share that with you because I think he articulated a lot of what I wanted to say when I was thinking about putting a concept like this together for a podcast. So sharing his email in its entirety, I thought was appropriate. So now let's build off of what he said and the takes that he made at the end, because I really agree with everything in totality. Number one, what Josh Allen went through as a rookie, not many quarterbacks could come back from playing behind that offensive line with those wide receivers but it speaks to his mental toughness. It speaks to his character. It speaks to the way he's wired. Like Mike said, he didn't make excuses. He put his head down and did everything he could to try to produce offense in 2018. And I think Josh Allen is better for it. Again, not everybody would be better for it, but I think Josh Allen is. Just like Josh Allen is better for what he went through in, in 2019. When you think about some of those moments in 2019 during the regular season when Josh Allen tried to do more than he needed to, and you think about the loss to Houston and some of those circus-like moments towards the end of the game that ultimately cost the Bills the football game, Josh Allen going through that made him a better quarterback, and he learned a lot. And I think that's why we've seen Josh Allen in a lot of ways turn into the quarterback we watched last year. So yes, I think Josh Allen correctly used everything that's happened to him, including during his rookie season, to help him get to the point where he is now. Now, as for Brandon Bean, I think a very similar thing has happened. He's corrected those mistakes, and he learned a lot. But for as much as Brandon Bean is credited for the way he's built around Josh Allen and put this wonderful scenario in front of him, an environment in front of him to succeed and become the best version of himself. He didn't do that in year one. So yes, Brandon Bean learned a lot and Josh Allen grew a lot through the 2018 season. So what I want to do now, and we'll get back into a lot of the talking points that Mike brought up. I want to look at some of the mistakes that McDermott and Bean have made to this point in their tenure leading this football operation and talk about what they've learned and how things have been different since then. The first thing I want to mention predates Brandon Bean, but I think one of the initial mistakes that Sean McDermott made was letting Stephon Gilmore walk with nothing in return. Gilmore was one of the better corners in the game. I recognize that he wasn't quite to the caliber he's been for New England, 
but he was still pretty doggone good. And I'm not suggesting that the Bills could have netted multiple first-round picks for him like the Jacksonville Jaguars did for Jalen Ramsey, but you're telling me that they couldn't have tagged and traded him like Seattle did with Frank Clark and got a first-round pick back from Kansas City, something like that, or something along the lines of the D. Ford trade? I think there was a first-round pick, at worst, a second-round pick plus more to be had in a tag-and-trade for a cornerback to the caliber of a Stephon Gilmore. I think just letting him walk free in free agency was a poor management of that asset. The next thing I want to mention, hiring Rick Dennison to be the offensive coordinator in 2017. Now look, your quarterback is Tyrod Taylor. Forcing a quarterback like Tyrod Taylor into a timing-based West Coast offense is just not good foresight. And I recognize that the Bills probably weren't committed long-term to Tyrod Taylor to the point where he dictates the coaching decisions that you make. But what about Rick Dennison's offensive philosophies are exciting about that being the guy that you're going to bring in and you're one to be your offensive coordinator and build this thing with. So not only was it a poor fit for Tyrod Taylor and what the Bills had offensively, it was a bad fit in terms of the vision for the offense moving forward. Then, I do think we need to talk about the decision that Sean McDermott made to bench Tyrod Taylor for Nathan Peterman amid a playoff run. I know the Bills had lost three in a row. I know the Bills had like the number 30 passing offense in the NFL, and so I can see why Sean McDermott thought about this. Well, we're not producing in the passing game. Let's go ahead and bring in Nathan Peterman, and we can't get worse in the passing game. Maybe he will give us a spark offensively, and we can score some more points. I understand why he thought about it, but to actually do it was a mistake. Now, maybe it was exactly what the team needed because they went 4-2 and two the rest of the way, winds up making the playoffs. But it's not just that Nathan Peterman went in there and threw all the interceptions that he did. It just wasn't the right decision for the football team. It just was not the right decision for the football team. Next, the offensive infrastructure for Josh Allen as a rookie. Now, part of me thinks that it was not the Bills' intent for Josh Allen to play in his rookie season. But when it came down to just Nathan Peterman and Josh Allen on the roster, knowing that whether it was Peterman stinking it up like he did or an injury, you are one snap away from playing a player that you didn't plan on playing. And so maybe A.J. McCarron just was not rosterable and he just didn't have the right makeup to be part of that quarterback room, which I totally get. But the whole thing was a miscalculation. Number one, assuming that Peterman could actually start. Number two, really thinking that A.J. McCarron was the type of quarterback that would come in and want to be a bridge quarterback and wasn't selfish and was willing to invest and help Josh Allen along. And number three, if you don't want to play Josh Allen as a rookie, 
then you needed to do a better job of making sure you wouldn't have to. That offensive infrastructure was a disaster. The Bills' week one starting wide receivers, Zay Jones, Kelvin Benjamin, Jeremy Curley, Andre Holmes. At tight end, Charles Clay with his crumbling knee. An offensive line of Deion Dawkins, Vlad Dukas, Ryan Groy, John Miller, and Jordan Mills. And like Mike pointed out, Nathan Peterman, the only other quarterback on the roster. It's no wonder that in weeks one through nine, the Bills scored a total of 75 points. In nine games, 75 points. 8.3 points per game. Folks, we've come a long way. And that's exactly the point that I want to make here is we can identify these mistakes, which I think I don't think any of that's arguable. I, I'd be surprised if anybody came back and said, Joe, I think you were harsh there. I don't think that was a mistake. I think those are pretty universally accepted as mistakes. But it's what this team learned from them, which we're going to talk about in the next segment, that has shaped the roster and the team that we love as we know it today. Need to tell you guys about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the planet. So many amazing flavors. They're all delicious. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. It's like eating a candy bar, but they are good for you. Built Bar is great for anyone who is health conscious. Whether you want to lose weight, maintain weight, or just indulge in a delicious treat, you have to try Built Bars. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for anyone who is on the keto diet. I've got a deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and it'll get you 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So now that we've taken the time to identify some of the mistakes that Bean and McDermott made early in their time with the Buffalo Bills, let's look at how they've responded to those things and how things have been different. Number one, I talked about letting Stephon Gilmore walk. I would say that the Bills have done a really good job managing their resources and assets since. And I think for the most part, even in that offseason, they did a really good job. I mean, it, you, you say goodbye to you know Robert Woods and Nikel Roby Coleman and, and Stephon Gilmore. You let those guys walk in free agency, but it's not like they didn't sign Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde and have the draft class that produced Trey White, Matt Milano, Deion Dawkins and the additional first-round pick that you needed to get Josh Allen. So there's a lot of really good things that happened in that 2017 offseason. But I will say that I don't know that I look at the players that the Bills have let walk out the door since and feel like there was a miscalculation. And I'm not saying that the Bills should have brought back Stephen Gilmore to be part of their team and to be a starting corner for them. If he didn't fit what McDermott wanted, that's fine. Let him go, but get something for him. Tag and trade happens all the time in the NFL. But what regrets do we have now about the players the Bills have let walk out the door since? Wyatt Teller? To me, that's hard to criticize because that is completely based on hindsight. I don't think there were many people that were critical of the deal at the time. It was widely accepted that the Bills were probably going to have to cut Wyatt Teller. They didn't have space for him on the roster. And so for Bean to recoup a couple of draft picks, it was a good deal. The guy goes to Cleveland. He has the best offensive line coach in Bill Callahan. Great players around him, and he becomes an, an exceptional guard. Good for him. Would it have happened in Buffalo? I don't know. I don't know. 
But outside of Wyatt Teller, I mean, what what can we point to? Jordan Phillips? Shaq Lawson? I just don't think there's been any miscalculations in terms of who has left the program since. I mentioned the hiring of Rick Dennison. I mean, could you have done a better job replacing him than bringing in Brian Dable, who has evolved his scheme so much year to year and adapted things to the players he has? I mean, what an amazing job upgrading that spot. Talked about not having the right mentors in the building for Josh Allen in that quarterback room. Well, after that season, they re-signed Derek Anderson and Matt Barkley, right? So both of those guys were kept, and you know Derek Anderson wound up retiring before playing the next season with the Bills, but Matt Barkley was still in the mix. And they prioritized having Matt Barkley as Josh Allen's backup so much so that I thought it was irresponsible to a point because – If he had to play, the Bills were in trouble. But they showed that they valued having the right veteran quarterback in the room with Josh Allen for him in year two and year three. We talked about the wide receiver room. Zay Jones, Jeremy Curley, Kelvin Benjamin, Andre Holmes. I mean, they cut three of them that season, right? They cut... Benjamin Curley and Holmes before the season was over. And they traded Zay Jones not far into the next season. And then got very serious about the wide receivers that they brought in, whether that's Cole Beasley, John Brown trading for Stephon Diggs. So I think they learned not only the types of receivers that Josh Allen would need to succeed, but making sure they were veterans that knew what they were doing, and you could make sure that Josh Allen could really develop as a quarterback. How about the offensive line? I mean, ever since that season, and Brandon Bean has spoken very openly about this, said he made a mistake with the offensive line. Now Brandon Bean has built massive surpluses of rosterable offensive line talent every year since. So much so that he's trading away guys because he can't keep them all. The Bills not only have their five starters, but the two, three rookies, right? Doyle, Brown, and Anderson, but returning depth players in Bates and Bakker and Jordan Devy, in addition to Bobby Hart and Forrest Lamp and uh, Jamil Douglas, all guys who have starting experience in the NFL. <laughs> Ever since that season, Brandon Bean has been very, very, very intentional about making sure the offensive line depth isn't an issue and making sure that his starting offensive line is good, right? Resigning Darrell Williams, resigning John Feliciano, going out and paying Mitch Morse, giving the big deal to Deion Dawkins. So he's absolutely corrected the offensive personnel around Josh Allen. And like Mike pointed out, He went from showing you everything you shouldn't do to build around a rookie quarterback to very quickly being praised for how he built around a young quarterback. So taking mistakes, learning from them, and turning it into a success story. That's a beautiful job of doing that. So what more recent mistakes have been made? 
And these are nitpicky for sure, but I got three things written down. I'd say number one, not having the edge depth last year that they needed. Kind of really buying in and believing that Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison at this stage in their career could carry the group and thinking that somehow Trent Murphy was going to come back and be a reasonable player. It didn't work out, right? There wasn't enough edge pressure last year. Well, what did they do? They drafted a first-round rookie, a second-round rookie, signed F.A. Obata. So they've they've learned from that to go with Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison and, of course, A.J. Epinesa. I think last year they didn't do a good enough job with linebacker depth. And that wound up being an issue. Tremaine Edmonds banged up early. Matt Milano banged up all season, relying on A.J. Klein. And this year, we saw them go out and sign Tyrell Adams and Mark Lee and Joe Giles-Harris, bringing back Andre Smith to go with Tyrell Dotson. So I think the Bills have absolutely prioritized linebacker depth better based on what we saw them do this offseason. And the last one we don't have an answer to yet, but Sean McDermott deviated away from the way he coached all year long that got him to the AFC Championship game and cowered it up in the AFC Championship game with some of those red zone decisions, some of those fourth down decisions. And so just like we've pointed to a lot of things, whether it's been Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, how they've learned from experiences to become better, we need to see how Sean McDermott responds from his coaching decisions in the AFC Championship game. And I think he's already kind of admitted that he has some remorse towards it. And again, I'm going to point to the larger sample size of the 2020 season and how McDermott was aggressive and didn't do those things. But when it counted the most in the AFC Championship game, my guy turtled up. I got a feeling that he's going to be better for that. So, the overall theme here is in order for the Bills to get to the point that they are today, a team that we view as a Super Bowl contender, that not just we as Bills Mafia, but the NFL in general, the Bills have some of the highest odds to go to the Super Bowl this year. Nobody's blinking an eye if you're predicting the Bills to go to the Super Bowl this year. They're that type of team. But they didn't get there without making some mistakes along the way that turned into very valuable lessons in our now success stories. That's the message today. So... We love Bean, we love McDermott, but they haven't been perfect. But while they haven't been perfect, it's almost like they had to go through some of the things that they've went through to get to the point where they are today and have built such a promising football operation for us to root for. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us today here on the podcast. Looking forward to next week. we got a couple of tackling the tough question podcast coming up for you getting to the defensive side of the football so if you have questions about linebackers and safeties and corners and defensive tackles and defensive ends go ahead and start sending in those questions joe at the draftnetwork.com of course we have herd mentality next week a couple of unique concepts that are coming your way i can't wait for it but i also can't wait for the weekend so let's enjoy that first as always i kindly ask that you share subscribe rate and review the podcast 
and I look forward to catching up with you again on Monday.